0: wait and wait and baby I'm TFC till I die
1: Hello, and welcome back to another Toronto Till I Die, the Toronto FC fan show. I'm Mike Newell, and after a 1-0 win against NYCFC, the vibes are strong. Uh, now wait, man. Who am I kidding? We can't pretend like the past 10 days haven't happened. Three lackluster defeats in a row, two against your <laughs> Derby rival, and an injury list longer than my mortgage paperwork make for a dreary, dreary episode. But we're going to try our best to see if we can find some light here Um, on this week's show. uh, We're going to recap TFC's two, one and two 0 losses to CF Montreal discuss the unrest in the fan base. um, And just ask in very simply, how hot is Bob Bradley's seat at Toronto FC in this week's burning question presented by next door. Lots to dig into. As you can see, no Jeff this week, he has gone bye-bye on a little trip. Um, but as always, I do have Michael Sing with me on the show, Mikey. How was your weekend, man? What'd you get up to?
0: A lot of losses. I'm still, <laughs> a lot I'm of still L's. coping.
1: L it's a big L weekend. Big L weekend.
0: Uh, I'm still coping from the loss of my beloved Maple Leafs uh, uh, to the Florida Panthers, and you know, I think with the Raptor, the vibes aren't great right now in the
1: city. Shout out the Blue, Blue Jays, talk. though, Mike. Yeah, shout out the Blue the, Jays. Swept the Braves, man. Swept the Braves. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but at least we got some nice weather rolling back into town. I just hope that, uh, you know, some TFC games will be nicer to go to once the weather gets nicer.
1: Oh, man, it's, um, yeah, this weekend was uh, bittersweet because obviously, again, like I said, great to see the Jays sweep the Braves, but at the same time. I mean, I, I, I look. I, I've been a Toronto FC a fan for a really long time. You have been covering this team for a long time, been a fan for a long time as well. Like, I don't know if I've ever been in a situation with this club where it's been as negative. Do you know what I mean? Ooh. Like, you know, like 2018 was negative, but I mean, you still had the glow of a championship and a run to a Concacaf Champions League final. Yeah, you know even back in the in the dark days like you kind of you knew that things were bad but you also knew the team was bad like you just yeah. you knew from the jump the team was probably going to be bad i don't know if i've ever been in the fan base where it's been this like this i don't want to say universally negative but no it's
0: it's it's a full yeah. of toxicity right now the tfc fan base um before we get into that, yeah, 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 Positive thing I just thought about, did for the first time this this weekend, fired up the barbecue. Oh what fired did you do? up the did barbecue. A little steak, this little steak action? I like burgers, we did some kebabs, we did uh what else did we do? Some just some chicken on there, like not too heavy. Um it was for the leaf game. Nice. So one of my buddies had some some people over a nice little rooftop at their condo in Toronto, and you know, they I didn't do the barbecuing, so I can't really take credit for it. But it was it was pretty solid. It you ate it though. What's your What's your go to food that you like to barbecue? Not like barbecue restaurant, but if you're firing
1: up the barbecue, what do you What do you throw on there? Oh man, just uh, hot honey chicken. Just throw that on. Hot get, honey get, chicken. Yeah, yeah, get that going on um, with a little like a, a little barbecue sauce. Yeah, no, that's the that's the way to go. Um, season it up really well. Marinate for a day. Uh, bring it out of the fridge. Throw it on the barbecue um, quarters or legs or drummies, you know, like just, uh, just make it that way and then you're good to go. And then you just have all the side fixings. Right. Um, it depends Mm -hmm. on the barbecue too. Cause if you do have like a side burner on the side, you can have, like you can do corn on the side or you can do something else. Um, but that's my go-to for sure. Like I know people do steaks oh, and don't get me wrong. Like steaks are amazing on a barbecue. I'm just not great at cooking steaks on a barbecue. Like I just never know, you know, what exactly is the right doneness, you know? And and somehow I somehow overdo it sometimes and it gets all tough. <laughs> so that's why I go to a steakhouse and let them do it because I know they know how to do it. Uh, and it's more of a treat to me. A steak is more of a treat than have that. Regular,
0: yeah. Regular. I'm with you. Like, like 90% of the enjoyment of the barbecue is. Obviously, just the process of barbecuing. I that part's actually, you know, being out there, nice cold beer if you want. Just the overall environment of doing it. Um, sides are so key. You got to have the right sides with yeah. whatever it is that you're barbecuing. And yeah, um, barbecue chickens my go-to. You got to get the sauce. The sauce is the biggest. Key. Brush it I'm with on. Gonna brush it. Throw honey in your sauce. One hundred percent. Nice yeah. little sweeter barbecue sauce. I think I. Uh, I like this. Um Chris is with you. Always overcook it on the barbecue. Oh, Chris yeah. McGert's barbecuing burgers right now.
1: <sighs> see perfect timing. I, I, See, I get that. I'm not a big barbecue burger guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't know. Like if I'm doing stuff oh. on barbecue, a burger is not the first thing I want to be doing on a barbecue.
0: Where do what do you where do you do your burgers?
1: Well, I I mean you can you can do them in a lot of different ways, right? You can pan do them, you can do them on a barbecue, things like that. Um for me, I feel like it's got to be kebabs, chicken, or steak. Uh, what about like speaking. lamb? I don't do a ton of lamb. Um Again, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where I don't feel like I'll ever cook it right. Um, I'm I'm learning how to do it better, but um, I'm not a big like lamb guy me because I'm probably breaking a board kicking. Yes, hundred percent give uh, a barbecue if you don't have corn something something's not right yeah, yeah you gotta throw
0: some corn on the barbecue
1: for sure and 100%. asparagus i know my girlfriend loves
0: throwing asparagus on the barbecue as well another one of the size we usually do but yeah yeah, yeah.
1: now i'm getting hungry let's, yeah. let's go <laughs> <talk> about you <laughs> well soon. we did food corner again and then got ourselves really hungry so uh, <laughs> we will move ourselves into the football talk look we, hey man like it, it, the week from hell Right, like it feels like a week from a hell. A week for, from hell wow. for TFC, right? Like it, it just nothing went right. Like nothing went right. We sat here last week at this time saying, "God help them if they lose both these derby games," because it, the, the 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 vibes will be the, the vibes per ninety as Rachel or vibes per sixty as Rachel uh, would say uh, would be really low, and they are right now. Look, um, a two one loss at home. In, in the Canadian championship and a 2-0 uh, two, yeah, two or two yeah 2-1 loss and a 2-0 loss on the road um to CF Montreal um I, I, look you could go into a lot of it, try to an- analyze everything and try to break things down mm-hmm. in this game I, in both games i think in the end obviously we'll talk about the injuries we talked about it last week but for a derby game these really lacked any intensity from TFC. I felt like, like in terms of, in terms of playing the game, like afters are one thing. Yeah, right? I was like gonna the say, a, there's afters are after. afters are a totally different <laughs> thing, right? Like that's a totally different kind of thing. And I'm and I would not talk to that too. But in terms of actually playing in in the moment when you're playing the game, I did not feel urgency from TFC. I don't know how you felt about it, but I'd love to get your thoughts.
0: Are you referring to Tuesdays or Saturdays? Both. Saturdays was a little different for me. Mm -hmm. Tuesday, yeah, I'm with you. You're at home. I get you're still a little shorthanded. You got to come out with a little more urgency and and on the front foot knowing what that game means. Like Going behind 2-0 and conceding in the fashion that they conceded, that's not acceptable by any means at a derby match especially like I said knowing what's at stake so I'm with you there. Thursday, I sorry, Saturday I'm I'm a little bit more lenient uh given the circumstances of the game. Right? You're missing 10 players, five starters, two substitutions. You're on the road against a Montreal team that's won five straight games. They didn't go set up there to attack and play on the front foot. They set up to play on the counter. I think like with, they played five at the back, obviously turning into three at the back when they had possession, but they set up there to absorb a lot of pressure because they knew, looking at the pieces in their midfield and Cervania and Kosey Thompson, that they would just have a tough time keeping the ball, keeping possession. Um, and I think that's what we saw play out a little bit. You know, the first half of the game, I thought TFC found they were in, they were in really good areas at certain po- points. They'd turn the ball over and really keep... Uh, times Lorenzo Insigne in particular had like three interceptions yeah. in the final third, which you just couldn't, you know, capitalize on. Brandon Cervania, same thing. Picked up the ball in some really dangerous areas, areas. And then, you know, that final product, which is something that we've talked about for so many times this season, just absolutely wasn't there. So like, yeah, you look at the shots on target of the game and you see zero shots in target and you're like, okay, that's obviously unacceptable. But the... You know, there were moments in that match, particularly in the first half, where TFC had the potential to create chances. Now, sorry, go ahead. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm going to say that although they may have put themselves in the position, I never, it never felt like they were that close to to no. scoring, like to breaking the deadline. Like, and, and, and here's the thing, right? Like, we get it, right? The, uh, the injuries are a thing. You can't dismiss that out of hand right? Like you're missing a lot of starters from that five left. starters, yeah. two
0: key substitutes. Yeah, exactly. your two starting so, center backs, your starting left back, your backup left back, two of your starting center mids.
1: Yeah, right. And in from that perspective, you can't throw that away out of hand. But at the same time, you know, you do have your two DPs. And mm-hmm. you can't rely on them to do everything. I understand that completely. But in those times, it's kind of why you get them right to, to be able to make something out of nothing, to make a bit of magic. And I felt like both players, probably more Federico than Lorenzo, I think really struggled to be able to create that magic and create something. And I felt like there were times where it, you could see why sometimes Federico Bernadeschi doesn't quite work with the team. Um, and, and and you could kind of see the sort of where some of these problems come in, in terms of trying to play with these wingers when you just don't have players around them that can connect and really do sort of and think on the same level that they do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, I think that's very clear, right? They they seem like they're isolated way too much. Um, Bernadeschi in particular, like, I feel like his play has actually dropped off since Insigne's comeback. 100%. You know, because I, I feel like there was almost more of a and added pressure on him to be the guy without Insigne. And I felt like he wore that responsibility a little bit more. Whereas now, you know, he maybe he's looking for Insigne a little bit too much, or, you know, he doesn't feel like he needs to be that, you know, driving force for this team moving forward. Or maybe, you know, teams are also picking up on the fact that TFC just do a ton of their work down the right flank. And taking that away takes away a lot of what TFC do really well so maybe it's just something that they're catching up on and the team needs to reshuffle and be creative about you know how exactly they create chances moving forward and it isn't just been a problem for this week it's this we've had this exact same discussion throughout the course of the season this team does not good at creating chances mark anthony k said after the match you can't win if you're not scoring goals and this team right now is not scoring goals Consistently right now, so that's definitely the biggest problem. Now, if you want to zero in on the game itself, um you know, and I might sound like a homer by saying this, but Munchel should have had a red card six minutes into that game. TFC would have had a breakaway, would have had a shot on goal yes. if CJ Sapong was not taken down by George Campbell as the last man. It was a yellow card. Uh, fourth official told Bob Bradley after the match that he was too far away from goal, which is not a rule. It's not a definition of the rule whatsoever. If you're in on goal and yeah. your last man back, you're in on goal and you're last man back. So I think they caught a bad break there. Um, the Marshall Ruddy red card, I mean, he put himself in a position for the referee to give him a red card there. Um, but it, harsh. I think I thought it was soft. for a second a second I yellow. Think it was soft. I thought that was especially for a second yellow. I could yeah. I can understand a first yellow, okay. Um, but second, that you gotta give him a talking to. That's Arden Lazada
1: essentially winning Montreal. A, I said the rent. same thing. Like basically, him trying to win, try to get the ball back, and trying to sort of like oh, kind of almost volleyball block it as Shaquille yeah, exactly. tries to toss it back. Like it wasn't like he was tossing it away from the player; he was tossing no. it over to the player for him to play. it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I that's it obviously was just a quick reaction for the referee.
0: And that's obviously another bad break for for the team. Um, so like those two key calls in the game um the both don't go tfc's way sure can they battle through it yeah but you know they're also again (laughs) they're missing 10 players in the game like you're away on the road like you're asking you know it is it is a tall task and you know it's disappointing that they couldn't find a way to get over that um but yeah it just feels like there are certain times where this team just they're in such a dark cloud such a dark space and it felt like feels like everything is going wrong for this team at this current moment in time. So yeah, small picture, maybe Montreal was bad luck, but big picture, it's, it's a, it's a trend that's growing with this team. And it's that they once again, find a way to just not play really inspiring football and, and not play,
1: uh, not win a game. Right. Yeah. It's the bottom line results yeah. speak for itself. Yeah. They do matter. Right. Like you, and again, uh, you know, to a certain extent, can you excuse Saturday? Maybe uh, if it was another team, sure, maybe, but not in a derby, right? Just not in a derby. You can't, you know, from a fan perspective, you can't just let that one go, right? And and I actually have more problems with Tuesday night than I do with Saturday night, because I felt, because I think you had more of your your players available, and I think from a from a coming out and playing perspective in a derby, in a cup match, right? Like this isn't the regular season where you can say, oh, well, there's another 20 games and we can just sort of try to figure it out still. No, this is one game and you're in or you're out, right? And this is your shot. Realistically, is your shot to Champions League, right? You're not obviously winning the league. And most, let's be real, I don't think this team has much of a shot in League's Cup anyway. So, you know, this is your shot to try to get back to Champions League. And the, the way to, as you mentioned, to concede the goals that they conceded to to just essentially fall asleep at the wheel in the first half and have a sort of sloppy start again um in a derby match it it makes me question how this team is prepared for matches right um and i know you won't say it because that's not you know what you do but from a fan perspective i understand people who are now bradley out right i'm i'm kind of a foot on the on the you know on the floor for the train right like And it's, I don't know if this is totally, I mean, it's mostly Brad Bradley's probably brought the players in, but you just gotta, you gotta ask the question about like how this team is getting prepared for games, because even when this team was healthy, healthy, again, you know, you did go through a long stretch without Lorenzo Insigne. So it, again, you, you haven't really been fully healthy, but for the most part, this team is probably, you know, at the start of the season, before we get into this little strategy, it was probably as healthy as it's probably ever going to be. Let's be real here, right? Like the way this team picks up injuries, um, whether you are a starter or a bench player, that stretch of games, you know, when you had Lorenzo out and really you were playing with everybody and Michael Bradley was still healthy, that was about as healthy as this team is going to get, I think, and they still weren't very inspiring and they still weren't, you know, it, it felt like it was a struggle to to play, to impose the way they wanted to play in games. And I wonder now, even if you can say, all right, these next stretch of games, they may not go well. There's a lot of injuries. Has the past now started to inform this present of where this team may have to go in order to get to where it wants to be?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And like... I agree. They weren't playing great football when most of their guys were back. Can argue Lorenzo was just getting back, and we really haven't seen what this team looks like fully healthy. But the question is, are you ever going to see what this team looks team like? Fully, I know. I, fully I don't healthy, think he will. Right? I don't think he will. Yeah. So, like Bob Bradley, for example, just looking at you know his job overall, um, job security, things like that. As you mentioned, Mike, looking ahead, they have the Red Bulls on Wednesday. And after that, you're traveling to Austin on the road, trying to pick up a road win, by the way, still trying to pick up a road win. I don't know. Remember the last time they picked and up a win on the it road? Nashville it was
1: Nashville last season, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it might have been Nashville last season, a 4-3 win at Geotis. Yeah. Um, And then you got to play D.C. after that. You're, how many guys are we really expecting TFC to get back? Maybe Sigurd Rosted, Maybe Matt Hedges. Not Jonathan Osorio. Not Michael Bradley. Obviously not Victor Vasquez. Who else am I missing? Christian Gutierrez, probably not yet. Although he played 45 minutes for the first time this season uh, for TFC2 over the weekend. Yeah. Um, Alonzo Coelho, you're not getting him back.
1: It's not like there's, uh, but it tells you the state light. of the team when you're like we're relying on Alonzo Coelho to come back, right? Like you know what I well, mean? Like I get it. Yeah. He's, he's he's done amazing, right? I'm not. This is not a like a diss on him or anything like that, right? He's come in and done an amazing job, but that kind of tells you the state when we're thinking like, oh, Alonzo Cueto. If we don't have Alonzo cuello man, right? Like, no. Well,
0: yeah, it wasn't it wasn't just Alonzo that I was saying. No, but I know. Yeah, I, I understand. It's not like Alonzo Coelho moves. I mean. He's, he was doing really, really well, but it's not like he completely moves the the needle in the midfield. Although, seriously, though, it's it's a really tough break losing Alonzo uh for as long as he they're going to lose him for. Um, it's going to be it's probably going to be months they're going to yeah. lose him for. And he had a really bright start to the season. He gives TFC uh, something in that midfield that they don't have, which is just someone who's just so smart on the ball. Michael Michael is is, is there. Lonzo, I'd almost argue, Alonzo's, you know, the, I want to say Spanish silk, but it's obviously a lot more than that. That doesn't really do it justice, but his way of seeing the game is, is right up there with Michael. He's, he's so strong on the ball. So it, it is, it is a loss. Although, yeah, you're right. You know, when we're talking about Lonzo Cuello, it does speak to just how thin this t- team's depth really is and the difference that, you know, one young player can make on this TFC squad, which is, you know, probably not where where the team wants to be. Um, but yeah, what I'm trying to say is, it's not it's not going to get much easier for Toronto FC from in this next short stretch. So if you think the Bradley out calls are loud right now, how is this next stretch going to go? Ne- next thing I want to say and I'll add is that listen, like. Are you going to sack your coach and bring a new coach into this current state of Toronto FC? Is that really going to make a difference if you're missing 10 players? Well, that's where I'm are you Are you setting a, your next coach up for success at all? No. Yeah. Whenever you, you sack, you want to make sure that they're coming into a situation, if you're going to do it this early in the season where you think there's still enough runway for, you know, the season to be turned around, you got to do it in a way that sets the next coach up for success. Doing it now does not set the next coach up for success. Now, as you mentioned, Mike, I, I will never call for someone to be sacked. I'd never call for someone to lose their job. Um, and to be quite honest, com- completely transparent. I don't think Bob Bradley should be sacked. I don't think it's this is all on him whatsoever. I think there are bigger problems at play that go beyond Bob Bradley, you know. Um, but obviously, right now, you know, we're in this this dark cloud, and Bob Bradley saying his job right now is to, you know, ensure that his team can continue to believe that they're going to get through this difficult stretch, they're going to get bodies back and that there is a positive light at the end of all this. If you're Toronto FC right now, it's, it's, it is very tough to see that positive light. You have to have a really strong mentality within that dressing room.
1: Yeah. And, and I guess that's, you know, and I have it in the right up here is like, where's the spirit of the team, right? Like, where is it at in terms of. in that belief, right? Because. You know, seeing that many people, that many teammates on the sideline and, you know, the 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 suites, basically the injury suite, uh, basically filling up an entire suite full of players Um, that can't be the most encouraging thing. And then you go out on the pitch and, you know, you're in some ways you're you're under the cosh for whole halves. Right. Essentially, you know, being bombarded, especially on Saturday night against Montreal. Now, obviously, that happens because you go a man down. But, you know, part of that is, you know, that frustration that's coming out um, from the players. And look, we'll talk about it in a bit in terms of productive ways of maybe um, showing that frustration, um, both um, from both sides of things. But, you know, I think that, you know, there's a real challenge on Bob Bradley's hands in terms of being able to try to ride the ship. Because as much as I think that maybe it is something to think about in terms of just trying to change the overall vibe around the club, not just, I'm not even just talking about the fan base potentially from the players themselves, but you know, to your point, who are you bringing in right now? Like, who are you going to bring in in the middle of the season? Not even the middle. We're not even midway through the season yet. You know, to to write the ship i i don't know i don't really know i know i jokingly tweeted about Maro briello yesterday but that was more to just rile up montreal fans than anything but you know i I don't (laughs) know i don't know if if there's a guy out there that you're saying like yeah okay that guy and like a lot of people are saying well what happens if greg Vanny gets sacked by la galaxy like la galaxy or second bottom of all of mls right now so i don't know if greg valley is exactly the guy you want to be bringing in at this moment right yes like again sort of being in love and romanticizing things that happened in the past um you know i don't know if that's exactly where you want to go with this
0: no and that's that's the other thing is the grass isn't always greener on the other side like you have a you have a coach that was brought here and sought out to to be here for a very, very good reason. He's as accomplished as an MLS coach will get, aside from Bruce Arena, of course. Right? No one's done better in MLS than Bob Bradley has. You know, Bob Bradley did a lot of things that a lot of other MLS and American managers haven't done. So. Like i said the grass isn't always greener sometimes though sometimes it's in every sports it's in football it's in hockey it's in baseball it's in it's in basketball we all know how this works the first one to fall on their sword it, it's it's the manager just for the sake of sometimes just making change but bob Bradley has such an impact on and honestly behind the scenes like has done such a good job at just transforming the the culture at the training ground when it comes to guys actually training guys actually showing up to training guys actually coming in with you know a good mentality like that part like when we talk about you know having that strong mentality to kind of get through this Bob Bradley's got brought in guys who who ca- are capable of doing that I don't know if there's anyone that's any professional that's actually capable of doing it will see during this stretch, but he's brought in guys who at least are going to be the closest thing that are going to be up to that task. Now, again, we'll see exactly how that plays out because there's a lot of turbulence that they they have to deal with. Um, So yeah, the I don't know the grass isn't always green. I saw our boy Javier Perez give a shout out to the Toronto Till I Die show. I saw him making his case to potentially come back. Hey Javier, you're always welcome on our show. By the way, show Um, yeah, absolutely. If you want to come on and, and chat some TFC, but yeah, again, I don't know. Like it's it's so easy for fans to just call for the coach's head, but there's so much
1: more that that goes into replacing a coach. For sure, and but I think the. I think there is some validity from what fans are saying, right? Like I I think, I think there is a frustration generally in the way that this team goes out and plays games right now, right? Like it it is not a uh, aesthetically pleasing brand of football to watch. And I think also from a, a, again, I I keep saying this, I feel like I'm repeating it show after show, but there just does not seem to be an identity with this team in terms of when they're stepping on the pitch and playing the game. Like I don't, still don't really know what they're trying to accomplish each game. And part of it is part of what they're trying to accomplish, I guess, is, look, you're going to give it to your DPs and you're going to see if they can make some magic and make things happen from time to time in a game. That's what you pay them to do. But I also feel like there are times where, you know, it doesn't feel like. Or more, it's like a plan is in place they get punched in the mouth once and then it all falls apart and it, it it starts, you start falling out of whatever that plan is. And I really noticed it in Montreal where again, like Saturday, first half was, it was a half of football. I will not call it the greatest half of football in the world, but they survived. Right. And then the second half, you know, they fell apart. Right. And, and I get that again, injuries, I get it. At the same time though, you know, you just played a half right where you were able to survive and not only survive like yes you're right they did create some half chances or half opportunities um you know in that in that first half they
0: created chances but, to create chances <laughs> yes
1: yes <laughs> which i mean it's baby <laughs> steps right now it feels like but um you know you you just it, it just right from the kickoff of the second half like they munched got their foot on the ball and it was you there was only one winner at that point right like it never looked like tfc were ever going to get that ball back and really, mm-hmm. crazy any trouble really until Bernadeschi and Insigne and came off, right? And, and maybe Montreal took their foot off the gas a little bit. Um, at, at no, I end. thought
0: I thought Demi brought some like life back yeah. to that team. Yeah, plunging down the left wing.
1: Yeah, which is crazy, right? Like, I, you know, in a sense that you know you're you're watching sort of the young players try to do something in that moment, but at that point, it's kind of too late, right? Like, it, it's too late at that point to really impact the game in any great way. Um, and I wonder, you know, we're we're kind of talking about Bob Bradley and we're talking about his coaching and, and whether or not he's getting the best out of these players right now. But is there enough or is there room for a little bit of that eye to go towards some of the your best players on the team and especially your DPs right now, who I think are frankly underperforming um, as DPs in this league?
0: Yeah, we can talk about that a little bit. Like they need to, f- I, I, I said this on 442 today. They need... Bob's job is to find a way to get more out of their DPs. That's the way their bet is made. They signed Lorenzo Insigne to, uh, what, a a five-and-a-half-year contract, paid him more than half of their internal salary budget, and they expected Lorenzo Insigne to be an automatic game cheer. He was supposed to be their lock, right? He was supposed to be guaranteed to be the guy... That no matter what, you can pass the ball to him, and he's going to be able to figure it out and score a couple goals just
1: on his own. He
0: hasn't been that player for them, no, right?
1: I, I personally, I I, I I think he's been poor since he's been here, right? Like, I think he's been okay <laughs> at, at times, he's at moments, but it's just moments, it's flashes, it's not consistent. Injuries play a part in that, but
0: yeah, you don't I pay, think
1: the- you, you're not paying him that kind of money. To be a to be to have moments or to have just flashes.
0: I think the biggest thing is the loss of Domenico Crescito with Lorenzo Insigne. I, I thought their relationship on the field, at least, um that was. I mean, that left side was as dangerous as the right side was with Richie and Bernadeschi. I'd argue it was even more dangerous last season, but the loss of Mimo, they haven't replaced. That And we haven't seen enough of Raul Petretta healthy with Insigne healthy at the same time for them to actually build any sort of chemistry down that left-hand side. Um, I, I almost think that Bob Bradley needs to reevaluate the way that he's using Lorenzo Insigne. I think there are way too many times that Insigne is dropping a bit too deep. Um, I almost, like I said this last week on our show... Throw him up there in a 4-4-2. Strip him of his defensive responsibilities, quite honestly. He's he's a liability defensively. Did you see the first goal? Yeah. And the play that he made on the first goal? Like, tries to beat two, three guys, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, touch gets away from him, and then... Nothing. Just, like, he literally fades out of the tackle. Like, doesn't go into the tackle whatsoever. And I'm not saying Lorenzo and City should be going into 50-50s, but at least... You know, you can have a little bit more effort there to to get in the way of George Campbell before George Campbell all of a sudden turns into Lionel Messi and makes a <laughs> darting run through the heart of TFC's oh. midfield and plays a ridiculous through ball. So I say strip Lorenzo and say you have his defensive responsibility. Put him in that Sebastian Javinko role. Just put him in that role where he doesn't have to do anything defensively because right now, quite frankly, he's not picking up the ball in good areas. Um, he's getting visibly frustrated way too quickly, way too early. Just strip him off his defensive responsibilities, just save him for for moving forward, and maybe that's a way that you can create more chances for him and get the best out of him. Because I, I just it's it's not working right now with Insigne and what they're trying to do. And you know, maybe a lot of that is due to injuries, and you can't surround him with the right pieces that Bob Bradley envisioned when bringing him in, but that's just not working. Bernard I I still think he, I, I don't think you need to strip him of his responsibilities at all. I think he actually works his butt off uh, defensively, and I think he he's he's physical, and he has the stature, and he has the size to, to do more. So I don't mind putting him back into, you know, either a, even a center attack midfield role or a right mid role, whatever it is that you want to call it. Uh, I think, Bernardeschi can still play in the midfield and still contribute to this team in a meaningful way. Um, But Insigne, I think you, he's $14 million, but they're not paying him that to be good defensively. Like they, they're doing that for him offensively.
1: Right. No, you, like, as, as we've said, Jeff and I said before in the podcast, right, you're not paying Ferraris to be tow trucks, right? Like you're, you're paying them to be Ferraris Um, and especially Lorenzo Insigne. And in, in that case, I can see that move. The question, of course, becomes does can Bob Bradley, will Bob Bradley make that change? Right. Like mm-hmm. it, it, that is the sort of technical question from a game play perspective, because, you know, I don't I hate the sort of general consensus around him that he's rigid and will not change and he's got one way and that's the only way to play. No, it's not. He will change um, in mid game from time to time. But will he do it? this time or like would he do it from the start and say yes, yes we're gonna play a four-four-two or something of that kind of nature where you're maybe going to a three you know you know a three at the back and playing two up top um and, and yeah. play that way I, I he
0: did he did it on saturday right
1: to a he certain three, extent
0: three at the back with two wing backs and uh kobe franklin and jaquil marsha Ruddy. they pushed up into a sometimes it was a back three sometimes it was a back four um mm-hmm. In that game, but then uh, moving forward, it was still a four-three-three. Right, it was still your yeah. two wingers and your striker, then the the guys behind them. So, you know, there wasn't I think moving forward. I think maybe we could, we'd like to see just something completely different. Yeah, because right now the ideas aren't working. Now the question is, can Lorenzo Insigne play in those roles? Like can Lorenzo Insigne even play as a second striker? Like I'm suggesting. I don't know. I don't know, but I think at this point it's you have to try something yeah. different because what's what's what you're trying right now clearly is not working. So
1: what what's there to lose at this point? No, I agreed. I mean, look, yes, look, the TFC are bottom of the Eastern Conference right now, uh, on goal difference. You know, it it's hard to say that, but at the same time, it's also hard to say that they're only a couple of points out of a playoff spot, right? You know, like it's three still points early, out? yeah, it's three points out um that said though it it does feel like this team is further away from being three points out than actually being three points out if if that makes sense like i it feels like they are further away from a team that is going to just find those three points and get back into it than a team that most likely will just continue to slide down sort of the the table Uh though you can't much more
0: no that's definitely the emotion of it especially given the expectations of this team and you know, the type of football that we feel like they're playing. The reality is, like, not that long ago, this team was in every single football match, right? They were fairly healthy, obviously, minus Insigne, and they were not giving up many chances. They weren't creating much, but they were not giving up many chances, right? So, again, the reality is, though, is that this team also isn't that close to getting back a lot of their bodies. Like the only ones are Raul Petretta, Matt Hedges, Sigurd Rosted, I think, off the top of my head. But those those that could help you in in a pretty significant way. But again, you have to figure out what to do moving forward. That's we're gonna keep coming back to that same point is how do you create more chances moving forward? That's gonna be the biggest question for this team. And I, I'm interested to see Wednesday if Bob Bradley changes
1: something up at all to to see if they can do that. Yeah. Um, quick question for you. How did you feel about the Mark Anthony K at center back um, it, mm. experiment? I mean, experiment slash you really had no other choice. Um, either yeah. that or you play Anthony Courage who hadn't played a senior minute at all. Um, how did you feel about that? Like, how, how do you think that went? I've, I liked it a lot
0: to be completely honest with you. Um, I thought, that that was one of the best performances that we've seen from mark anthony k obviously when you go down to 10 men then it's just really tough like what are you gonna do at that point you're not a center back but you're absorbing pressure the entire time there are going to be lapses um there are a few moments but overall like it seemed like it's it's ironic like he's playing next to i mean mabika and he's out of position but it seemed like he was more so the leader and the main guy at the, the back who was making some really key important clearances. Um, I thought, you know, having the field in front of him, I thought that made a pretty significant difference in terms of, you know, he gets a little bit more time on the ball. He's not under he's not as rushed. Um and I yeah, I I I like the fact that his ball playing skills was you could see that a little bit more. Um benefit the team a little bit more uh from that part of the field. And obviously we the one thing we've always praised Mark Anthony K for is just how how good of a tackler he is. Um I think he leads major league soccer in tackles. Um so he K I thought he did a good job you know, it was a tall task but i thought he did a good job of like getting into some of those battles and not being you know not being shy of, of engaging the physical side of the game so yeah I, I i didn't hate it at all i think it is an option moving forward if you need to go back there
1: yeah um you know i thought it was okay i mean i, I thought you know for a band-aid solution um it works i don't think you want to necessarily make that a a more common thing uh, from, from that perspective, like obviously, you know, there's a lot of questions around Tim and, and obviously his play a few other players as well. We talked about Lorenzo Zinier, um, You know, we've talked about, um, you know, Frederico Bernardeschi. I wonder if before we we kind of move on to sort of this, this conversation quickly about Leagues Cup and, and where TFC should sort of put it in terms of his priority, We have to, unfortunately, come back to the striker thing again, Um, because, you know, it looks like, you know, CJ Sapong is going to probably start out the remainder of the games until either he loses the job or they try something else again. Um, But when you're going to a four for two, I wonder if you decide to go into Lorenzo and you're playing as that second striker. I wonder if, you know, there's going to be enough, you know, of a connection between the two. I wonder how that works because, in a lot of ways, I think CJ is a, an intelligent striker, an intelligent player. He can definitely you know, play the ball uh, and play players through if he has to hold up and go through. But I don't know if he and Lorenzo sydney and connect very well at the moment. And obviously that probably takes time um, from it yeah, A lot of so. it's also,
0: I, I feel like when Lorenzo picks up the ball or CJ picks up the ball, they're also a little bit further away from each other. Mm-hmm. So maybe playing them in that, Again, this is all hypothetical. They're right. probably going to come out with a 4 3 three on Wednesday, but maybe playing them it closer together helps with some of that that link up play. Ideally, like I'm thinking, maybe I'm shouldn't be right for the. I'm just thinking like Seba Josie vibes, where you know Seba can pick up the ball in really dangerous areas in the pitch, and he can potentially do his own thing and you know create magic about it, or he could find Josie Altidore either at his feet or over the top, and the two of them could link up right? Obviously that's asking a lot from CJ Sipong, but I think looking at the roster, maybe, maybe Dio can do a little bit better, but other than that, he's their best option up top. So it's just kind of making best of what, what you have, but yeah, that striker position is going to be one to continue to talk about throughout the course of the season, because at the end of the day, they're just going to be measured by, by goals. And right now it's, it's not coming for, for CJ.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and, and lastly, um, to get off this hell week, uh, um, leagues cup is uh, raging around the corner, it's coming fairly soon. Um, how much stock do you think TFC should be putting into this, right? Like, look, the, the it, it's gonna happen, um, it's gonna be sort of a lot of games in the run up to that, and then you're kind of in this competition, given where they're at right now. Again, not that far out of a playoff spot. Unbelievably. Um should TFC put a lot of stock into this competition at all? Uh should it sort of be thinking about this as a way to get in the Champions League, or is it kind of like a look, we'll play these three games. Maybe you use it to continue to build fitness, maybe you use it as an opportunity to continue to build understanding amongst the team, and you see where the cards lie.
0: Yeah, I think they're gonna try and win out every competition that they're going to be in this season. I think they're going to tr- obviously try and get back in the league and prioritize that. And they're going to try and, uh, and win leagues cup. I, I I do believe it. Obviously it's their only way to get to the CONCAF champions league, unless they go on a run and win MLS cup. But the reality, I don't know if I see that happening right now with this current contract of this TFC team. So yeah, I think they're going to try and win out every competition just to put it straight up, will they do it? I mean, that's a different question, but yeah, they're, they're definitely gonna,
1: gonna try and do that. I think. Yeah. I I get that. I mean, I, I, to me, I think there, you still have a ramp way to try to, to make something out of the season, try to get into the playoffs. And, and, you know, at that point, the MLS playoffs are a crapshoot in a lot of different ways, right? Like it's, it's very much you get in and you just catch a heater. You, you get a ref on a bad day or a good day um and you're all of a sudden it's 2019 again and you're somehow in a cup final you probably shouldn't be in right like it just it's one of those things where you know i i think the priority should still be on the season um and at least cup is great and everything like actually i don't think it's that great to be perfectly honest but whatever um but you know to me it's kind of like look if you kind of catch lightning in a bottle sure if not i wouldn't necessarily sweat it about Leagues Cup, right? Like, it's not the thing that's going to make me think like, Oh, well, you know, this is gonna either make or break your season.
0: Desperate. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I mean, it also just depends on where TFC are in the year in the standings when Leagues Cup rolls around. Yeah. Like Leagues Cup could be seen as like one of those like ticket tournaments where if you're out of the league, if you're out of contention, in the league essentially, then you want to throw all your eggs into the Leagues Cup basket because that might be the only trophy that you can win that year. And yeah, you can talk about uh, what that actually means, but it is still, like I said, qualification to the CONCACAF Champions League. So I think we're going to have to reevaluate this when it's closer to two. But right now, just speaking, I, th- I think they're going to go for both, to be completely honest. And why not? You get a whole month off in the season to do it, right? It's not like TFC... I mean, right now, they obviously need a month off, but I don't think they're going to need a month <laughs> off in August. I hope not, because they yeah. they will, then
1: it's not a good conversation to no. To have. No, this conversation gets even drearier uh, than the current than the one. But, um, all right, uh, let's talk about it. Um, look, I, I won't go into all of the specifics of, of the incidents on Tuesday night. Um, I think a lot has been said about it. A lot has been uh, written about it in terms of what happened both in the stands and, and after the game with Mark Anthony K, I guess, you know, is the, uh, as I said off the top, I, I haven't really felt this type of this level of frustration with this club maybe ever. Right. And we're talking about teams that started zero and 9 nine. Um, we're talking about teams that were historically bad in this league. Um but I've never felt the type of frustration that there is in the fan base right now. Just, just, just from my personal view lens of of knowing a lot of supporters and 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 sort of seeing a lot of the the discourse, not even just on Twitter, just talking to people. Right? Is the level of frustration warranted at the moment? And I'm asking you from your perspective as a journalist, as a covering this team and seeing sort of both sides, both from the fan side and from the club's perspective as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. There's a lot of reason for fans to be frustrated. Look at the results. The results speak for themselves, but not, not just the results, the the product on the field right now. It's not a team that I think fans can easily get behind. Like Again, I, I know it sounds like I'm picking on Lorenzo Insigne, but he's the focal point of this team. He's the $14 million man. He he makes enough money to get picked on. <laughs> he hasn't done media yet this year. He hasn't spoken to media once this year. So not only are you not getting the, reaping the, the benefits of having Lorenzo Insignia on the field right now because he's not really living up to the standard, you're not really getting too much of the benefits of having him off the field either because he isn't talking to anybody right now so i'm sure that will come soon i'm sure that he apparently knows that he has to do media and he said he will be doing media but we just haven't seen it yet it's may 15th may 16th like i don't know that's that's a that's a strange one to me um so yeah when we talk about the connection that you know fans have to their players the old TFC and when I say old TFC obviously I'm referring to 2017 TFC Mike you can say this better than anybody the relationship was incredibly special that the players had with the fans in particular obviously the relationship that Josie Altador had with the fans I, I think you know I'm, I'm looking at that from afar but it seemed like that was pretty special like there wasn't there wasn't many more people that were more like than Josie Altador during his prime here in Toronto obviously the way it ended at, not a great ending, but during his prime here, that guy was that guy was special to Toronto FC uh, for a lot of different reasons. Justin Morrow, another guy, incredibly beloved, right? You um, he, ha- he can go through the list. Drew Moore, another guy, incredibly beloved by the fan base. Uh, Jonathan Rosario's still here, obviously yeah, incredibly beloved. Still here, yeah. Obviously. Michael Bradley, Victor Vasquez still kind of here. <laughs> I say kind of cuz he's back in Spain. Um it, it was just it was different. It felt it felt like it felt like it was different. Um this this current crop of players right now you I would love to get your opinion on sort of the relationship that you think it has with with the fan base.
1: Yeah, you talk about the 2017 team and like let's call it like more of an era let's say yeah. you know really from like 20 i would say you know it can stretch from 2014 right to call it 2021 2020 really um yeah it was special right like i think one of course like they won Right. Like that, that is the big thing. Right. People remember how you make them feel. And, and on the biggest night, they made us feel amazing. Right. So, of course, that is going to play a massive part in that. Taking that out of the equation really quickly, I, I think that, you know, you talk about Lorenzo and you're not doing media. You talk about, you know, you talk about some players maybe having gripes with supporters. Some of it warranted, some of it not warranted. Look, the incident with the megaphone, I get both sides of it. Um, I get it from a Mark Anthony K perspective. Like, look, nobody wants to get stuff thrown at them, right? Even if they're 70 yards away from it, right? Like that. that's not, you don't want to try to clap supporters and, and get yelled at. On the reverse though, I also understand that when you're a supporter and you're frustrated with the way that your team is performing and also you're frustrated at the way that sometimes you feel like the players don't acknowledge what you're doing by simply coming by sometimes and clapping, which Mark, Anthony was doing, but don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm saying. Mark wasn't doing that. But I have noticed it this season that there are times where, you know, the players won't, they'll come over when they're winning, when they're not winning, you know, it's it's not the same. And I get it, right? Like when you're losing, you, you, the, you just want to get into locker room. You want to be frustrated. You are frustrated. I understand that. But I think you have to take the good with the bad sometimes. And in the case of, you know, frustrated supporters, yeah, they, we're going to tell you what we think, right? Because, you know, we're deeply invested in this team, you know, and, and from that perspective, I do feel like there isn't the type of, relationship with this crop of players as there was with now that's not universally the case there are players on this team that i think a lot of people can get behind and like right as i said in my twitter post on the weekend right like these are all good people right like i'm not saying they're not good yeah. people they are they are they're for the most part very good people but from a connecting with a player fan base perspective i just don't feel there is much of a connection there right and and that well, Sorry, go ahead. Part of
0: that, part of that, I think, Mike, is just it speaks to just the turnover that's happened at the club as well, right? It takes years, it takes moments, it takes special occasions to build relationships with supporters. You mentioned that 2017 team and everything that, you know, the team had gone through up to that point and that point as well. I mean, that's those types of moments obviously build special relationships, but it does speak to just how you know first guy it's like it just came to my head first guy Sigurd Rostad. how is he going to you know really understand what it means to build a special relationship with the Toronto FC fanbase it's a guy from from Norway who you know didn't really know much about Toronto before arriving here a couple months ago still trying to settle into the city and now he's with a team that isn't doing very well like how do you go about building that special relationship it, it takes it takes a a special person which i'm not saying sick roast, that isn't but like it takes like a you know a special extra mile sort of acknowledgement to go out of the way to try and build that relationship with your supporters but maybe it just takes time i don't know i don't know
1: yeah look i i think that you know, and and when I say this, I'm not actually necessarily talking about some of the new guys, right? Like, of course those new guys, it's going to take them time, but you know, I I think there is, I think some of that feeling is actually more dedicated to some of the players that have been here a little bit longer or some of the players that um, are here. Right. And look, Mark Anthony K is the one in the spotlight because the incident happened with him. Right. And he's come out and spoken about it. And I Mm -hmm. think, I think he realizes that there were things he could have done better in that moment. Um, you know, I think from a fan perspective, there are things that, as fans, we could have done better in the moment. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, maybe you know. don't throw a megaphone onto well, the field. <laughs> no, no, right? Don't no. But I understand. Again, I understand the, the 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 sort of frustration if 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 the dialogue is happening the way I understand it. It stood. It happened. Right. Yeah, you get it, right? If you're, you feel like you're putting your your heart and soul into something, and it's not being reciprocated. Sometimes, yeah, you now I'm not advocating you throw megaphones or anything like that, but I get the sort of frustration and the 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 feeling that your your efforts are being not are taken for granted. Maybe that's the way to to put it. Um, and and that's sort of, again, that's kind of the way you sometimes build a relationship with your fan base. It's not necessarily you need to go out and hug them all the time and you got to be their best mates and go out to pub nights and all that kind of stuff, right? Like that, that is above and beyond, right? You know, some of the guys in 2017 didn't do any of that, right? But I think there is that sort of disconnect, I think right now with the team. And part of that is that turnover agreed. But I also do think a part of it is that uh, you get a feeling like, sometimes you guys don't want to talk, right? Like they don't want to talk to you and, and, and that's fine. Right. Like I don't need, again, like I said, they don't have to be best friends with everybody. That's not the point. Um, But there does feel like there's this sort of standoff. And and sometimes it comes from Bob Bradley too, right? Like that part of that is Bob Bradley and his relationship with the media and his relationship with supporters sometimes, right. Um, Or lack thereof. So, and again, you will know Bob in, in that, capacity capacity better than i ever will right um so maybe you can speak to that but i feel like also there is this sort of disconnect from the manager as well and i think in especially in this town where gms and managers probably get more attention sometimes than players do at times in terms of the things that they do and the decisions that they make um that i feel like that's important
0: yeah i i think bob is always been really respectful um, in terms of, you know, taking the time to speak to media. He does what he has to do every week. Like he's obviously required to speak on match day, minus one or two. Um, He does that. He sits and answers essentially every question uh, that people are willing to ask at that point. And then, you know, talks post game faces media every time, you know, Sometimes you can ask him a stupid question and he'll still do his best to give you, you know, what he thinks you're trying to ask. Um, yeah. You, you know, like I don't have a problem with Bob Bradley as a person. I, I think, you know, I, 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 like to think that we have a decent relationship. Um, yeah. It's, it's tough to, you know, we're we're in press conference settings. It's tough to, to just really build that relationship with the manager when, you know, those are essentially the only times that you you get to talk to him, right? You, yeah, the team. You know, it, they do distance themselves. I think a little bit from from media, um, and maybe that's that's part of the reasoning why it does feel a little bit detached from my standpoint. And I, 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 don't know what your relationship, your guys' relationship is with Bob Bradley. If you guys even have a relationship on, on that end, talking from a supporter's perspective, but you know, like I, yeah, I have a lot of respect for, for Bob Bradley. Cause like he, yeah, I think
1: he is a good person as well. Yeah, for sure. There's no, there's no saying that he's not a good person. You know, I, I think, you know is there a relationship with the sorter groups not really um you know like i i, I think there is a a gr- sort of a, just a tip of the head kind of okay but like there isn't like a a feeling that hey you that cuz that, that
0: that that's saying
1: a lot for bob man <laughs> yeah yeah I, I get that i get that but i think look i i think that supporters want to see a team that can reflect the ethic, the the work ethos or ethic of the city, right? And look, Toronto kind of has this sort of thing about it that people think is very bougie and very sort of like, you know, sort of big city about it. And that's true to some extent. But really at the heart of Toronto, it's still very much a blue collar working town, right? Like they it very much people live and work in the town they live in, right? Like it's not like there's a downtown core. Everybody evacuates and nobody lives there, right? Like people live there, right? It's still very much a a, a workman mentality, if not always reflected in, in sort of uh, its clothes and the way that it walks around it, a, a, as a city. But that very much still resonates with people. And I think that, you know, losing two derby matches to your biggest rival and losing them in the way that they were lost really does set people off, right and 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 from that perspective, there is just sort of you, you gotta you can't really relate to a team that just sort of kind of lays down, right? like not yeah, yeah, I said what I said, right. like you know, in that sense, <laughs> right? like, you know, it, it's, you know, I'm trying to see if I can find a better term for that. But, like, it, it, that's what it, you know, that's how it looks. I know that's not always the case. I know there are mm-hmm. a lot of extenuating circumstances around that. But at the end of the day, fans care about results. And they care about beating their rivals. <laughs> and, and losing a, those two matches the way that they were lost, I think, in a lot of ways, set people off um, in sort of the Bradley out, hashtag Bradley out tra- tailspin that a lot of people are in right now.
0: I think it's important for you to say how you feel because I almost feel like you know us in particular we we do at times try to really understand and go above and beyond than maybe most people in our position do to try and understand how they're feeling and understanding their circumstances and all of that but I think for you, and like, I think it's very important for you to say what you feel because maybe that is some of the perspective that they need to hear um, to understand why there is so much frustration, right? And maybe it, not, might, it might not be fair because of everything that they know yeah. and everything that's happening behind the scenes. But at the end of the day, like, 99% of fans are judging based on what they see within the 90 minutes of the game right no they they don't get to hear about anything else that happens beyond it and i get as a professional athlete that's probably not fair but that's yeah. the reality of of professional sports so i think it is important for you to 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 say like like what you just said because i think you're speaking for again the majority of toronto fc fans in that case and you know what like we've talked about this it does look like this team doesn't have a lot of people that cover a lot of ground very quickly. I think that's mm-hmm. part of the reasoning that we do feel that. Yeah. That l- lack of
1: energy at times. Right. Well, I think there's this look, I, I think that the, when they play the, the, the buildup is slow. Uh, I, I think that they don't move the ball quick enough. And I don't think that it, it allows for the brand of football that Toronto FC fans want. Right. You know, Jeff said it last week. He kind of made it under the way he said it, that we tasted the mountaintop. But yes, Toronto Toronto FC fans have tasted the mountaintop. They know what good football looks like. They've seen it with their own eyes. They know how it works. And they know what winning football works. And this is not winning football right now. And, you know, uh, I tweeted before the show that I I think I made a decision. And look, I I think that whether it's fair or not, um, I don't know. But I think you may need to make a change, not just at manager, but maybe even higher than that to, to see, to, to, to get TFC where it needs to be, because I think it needs to be, look, continuity is important. And, and Bill Manning says that a lot, that continuity is important. You don't want to necessarily be changing managers all the time. And I agree, you, you don't want to be like old TFC, right? We don't want to be changing managers every four months, right? Like that. I lived through that time. A lot of fans lived through that time. That was terrible right? Every four months, you knew a manager was getting fired, right? And and in a way, you know, Justin Moore kind of talked about it when he sort of told this story about coming to TFC in 2013, right? Like coming to TFC at that time was a death sentence for your career in a lot of ways. Um, And, and and a lot has changed. A lot has changed um, in terms of the expectations, in terms of how this club is perceived, not just in the league, but on the world stage. Now, right? This is no longer a team that's just in Toronto and people pay attention to it anymore. This is the biggest club in this country. Whether fans of this club or not, fans of this club like it or not, right? Toronto FC is the biggest club in Canada. Period. And from that perspective, you can't have or can't accept a team that will go out onto the field and lose a derby, two derby matches in a week. It's not. It's not acceptable. Yeah, okay, you got injuries. I understand that. And I know you've got a lot of things that are kind of behind the scenes that that happened. But as you said, Michael, like we can only judge what's in front of us. And what's in front of us is simply not cutting it. Right. It's just not. And, you know, I'm not advocating for somebody to get fired necessarily, but. You know, those that are that are out there, and there are a lot. There are a lot of people right now that want the manager <laughs> gone, Right. Let's, let's let's we're gonna get into it in the burning question in a second, but there are a lot of people that want the manager gone. And and not all of it, as you mentioned, is necessarily on him, but he is the manager and he is the sporting director. And in the end of the day, those signings, the majority of those signings come across his desk, right? There are other people in play in those signings. We we know that as well. But you know he's the buck kind of stops with him and it stops with bill manning as well and and look bill bill manning has a lot of this to share as well right like the, you know this team hasn't really performed in any way since the pandemic shortened season of 2020 and that was kind of the last remnant of quote unquote the golden era right and and since then since since essentially the decision to allow greg vanny to walk um by, you know, Ali Curtis and essentially also by Bill Manning. The decisions to to get this team back to where it it, it has been has not been good. They have not been good. Um, hey, we
0: always had club, Leo.
1: Okay. <laughs> like, great. I mean, you know, let's rely on Luke Singh having his moment in the sun, right? Like that, you know, in all due respect to Luke Singh, right? We absolutely take your moment. But that is not the big club sustained su- success mantra that fans were asked to buy into, right? That's what was that was what we bought into. That was the ethos, the the mentality of what this club was supposed to be. We were supposed to be challenging for every trophy on every front, every season, right? Yeah. And that is not happening. And if that's not happening, a reassessment on how things are working at this club maybe needs to be done.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. But like, like when you look at the roster you mentioned, big club, right? Lorenzo Insigne screens big club. Federico Bernardeschi screens big club. Sean Johnson screens big club. Michael yeah. Bradley screens big club. Richie lorea screens big club. I'll, Jonathan I'll Osorio. Stop I'll just stop
1: you really right there. Does Michael Bradley at this point in his career still screen big club to you? Yeah, for everything he means and everything he stands for. Yeah. We see okay.
0: how much we see how much he's been missed too when he's been. Yes, that's true. OK, and, I'll give you that. And he yeah, his impact fair. goes well beyond than what everybody sees between, you
1: know, that's the white fair. lines here. I'll
0: give you that. OK, so Richie Lauria, Jonathan Osorio, Mark Anthony K. like these guys are, you know, they might not be like the focal points of the team, aside from maybe a guy like Richie. But having them as squad pieces on your team, that screens big club. Matt Hedges, again, another guy I'll throw in there these are collectively you know they've tried to be ambitious here and they've tried to field that that big club it might not have worked like i i, I again people might think i'm crazy for saying that i think it's too early to say whether or not it's worked we're 12 games into the season and you have a completely new starting 11 you look at their starting 11 that was been fielded out the last couple of of weeks there was no one that was on their starting 11 that was on the starting 11 last season it's been that much turnover when it comes to
1: this roster fair right again why are you in a position where you're having this kind of turnover right because you're not signing players that are necessarily doing the job that you need them to do in those times. So you, now you have to go through an entire well, roster reset to try yeah, to that, make it work.
0: That starts, that starts at the beginning of 2022 where they had to just strip the roster bare. Like a lot of people say, uh, you know, Bill, Bob Bradley's had 18 months with this team. Like, no, he hasn't. Bob Bradley had 12 months to strip this team to it, the core of its... Shift <laughs> yeah. this team to its yeah, bones, but why, essentially. Yeah,
1: but I'll, I'll, true. True. But I, I, and do some I w- of the
0: mistakes that you know
1: Ali Curtis had to do. Had but to again, make. yes, absolutely, right. But again, who's making the decision at the top to bring? So you're in talking the about the Bill person? Manning, yeah, right. Like, oh. I, and look again, it, it's it, look. I I think that again, I, I really hesitate in in. In saying these kind of things, just be simply because I know there are people behind these, right? There are people right. behind these this, when you're saying these things, right? You're not just throwing them out to throw them out, right? But you know, you you okay? I get it. Like 2019, we 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 hung on for a ride, right? We were on a ride, right? We got to a cup final. It was that a fun called, ride. It was a fun ride. I, I was there. I was on that ride. Shout I, out Lawrence Yeah, <laughs> shout out Lawrence Samah. Should have started. You know, um, yeah no shouldn't have sorry Nico Benese still looking for that contract. Um <laughs> but you know like it, we, we hung on for a ride and then it, we went in there and it's like all right let's let, let's you know run it back let's, let's let's try to run it back. And in many ways look that team probably should have been stripped down before 2019, right? That 2018 was probably the year where you're like okay, let's start to rebuild, let's start to reset a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and it didn't happen. And yes, we got to a cup final, so it's hard for me to then come back and complain. One hundred percent, right? I went to that yeah. cup final; we lost, yeah. but it was still a great time. Twenty twenty
0: was still really great. Twenty twenty was still really it was a great. Pandemic season, so you put an asterisk over it, but yeah, it was still really school. great.
1: You know, they they yeah. were you know um, getting blown out in Subaru Park, realistically away from winning another shield, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, right, uh, and and then the wheels fall off. Right. Like kind of the wheels fall off in, in terms of one, the the squad was aging. I understand that the decision to hire Chris Armis. N- uh, like uh, you can't tell me you sat there on the decision to hire Chris Armis and thought that was a good idea. Like I knew nobody from the did. beginning, nobody thought that was a good idea. Right. Only yeah. Ali Curtis thought it was a good idea. And especially no when you never. heard
0: the names that they were linked with yeah. besides. Right. Well, Chris one Armas. of them
1: right now is coaching LAFC and just won an L- MLS cup. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's high. That's right? Nobody, that's, nobody exactly. really knew. No one knew at the Steven time. Grand, grand, agree. But again, it, it's this sort of, it, it, it's the decision-making in terms of how to, to put this club together. I, I, I just feel something is missing. I don't, I, I'm not going to purport to be what it is exactly.
0: No, I don't think you're, you're wrong to say that when you look at, especially getting the right people, to do the job. I, I I think 98% of Toronto FC fans would have agreed that Bob Bradley was a very exciting hire for this team. I advocated he for it. Was, I was
1: on the show advocating he, for it. Yeah. He was the
0: right hire for this team. Yeah. Regardless of what you might think that like he was the right hire for this team. You weren't going to get someone that was better than, no, than Bob Bradley for not this that team. Time. No. Right? So you, I can't really harp on him for that, but the DPs they've missed out on. A lot, and at the end of the day, like DPS you can't miss out on that, DPS in this league. That's Bill Manning. Bill Manning is in charge of of getting your DPS because there's also a commercial aspect to it as well, right? Obviously, other people get to you know talk it out, but at the end of the day, that's Bill Manning's decision. And Lorenzo Insigne, which is going to be, again. I think a lot of TFC's future is going to rest on how good Lorenzo Insigne is. Because, like I said, they tied him up to a really expensive contract. And people are saying, oh, just you know, sell Lorenzo Insigne. Yeah, it's not that easy. Does he want to yeah. be sold? Does he want to walk away from $60 million, $75 million, yeah. whatever it I is? I wouldn't.
1: Why, why would I? <laughs> no,
0: there's a reason he came here in the first place, right? Yeah. So it's going to come down to whether or not Bob Bradley or someone else is able to get the best out of Lorenzo Insigne. That's what this team's success is going to rest on these next couple of years. And, you know, I, I think I do get the sense that Bob Bradley is likely going to be the guy that falls on the sword before Bill Manning does, if it does get to that point. But then you have to you, you have to guess that there's no one else in front of him protecting him as a shield. Right. right. If like, he decides to, if he decides to get rid of Bob Bradley, there's no one else protecting him at that point. And, it's, you know, like a lot of people do get on Manning um, very easily. But. And I know Tim Lewicki was the predecessor and he set the ground for a lot of it, but TFC weren't successful before Bill Manning arrived. They weren't. No, no, they flat out weren't. We had our best years with Bill Manning as president. He's done it for a couple of organizations now, right? He is a good, he's a dang good executive. And people might not agree with that, but he he really is. Um. So it sucks that it's gone to this point, but when you get certain decisions wrong and key decisions, then that's that's what, just what happens. It does get to this point.
1: Yeah, look, and, and I agree, right? Like if you have to fire Bob Bradley, that's, two permanent managers and an interim that you've really gotten to select, right? Like Javier Perez, right? Like in terms of a selection, okay, that's an interim position. That's a bit different, but essentially that's, that's two managers, full-time managers that you've okayed, if not hired, maybe you let Ali Curtis do, do do Chris Armis. That's two you've okayed and now had to fire in the span of three and a half seasons. Um, That's not good, right? And you've had to, you signed a young DP in sotaldo You then had to, you guessed wrong on him in a lot of different ways um, and had to sell him for another DP who only lasted less than six months. And then you had to, now that was different. That's a family matter, like understand that. But then, you you know, you go in, you get a crop of young players, they play, you trade some of them that could have been valuable to your overall squad depth. You then sign two big-name DPs. And look, everybody was excited when Lorenzo Signe got signed. But I also remember tweeting out that I could also see this not working at all. And I'm not really ready to say it's completely a failure yet. But it does feel like This isn't quite working from a, from a non-field perspective. This could all change, of course, right? Like he could get a heater things. They, they, maybe they bring in that four, four, two system. Maybe he plays as a striker underneath the main striker and it all, and he, it clicks and it works, but it doesn't feel that way right now. Like I said, this team feels a lot further away from being three points out of a playoff spot than maybe any team in the league right now. Right. In terms of just the way that they play, the way that they look, Obviously the injuries, again, we've talked about that a lot and that is a factor, but it does just feel like right now, this club isn't, it, it's kind of feel like it's spinning its wheels a little bit and mm-hmm. I don't really know where it's going. Like if it gets, if it gets out of the mud and start, you know how you, you, sometimes you get stuck, you spin your wheels and all of a sudden it catches something and you get off and you just shoot out. I have no idea where the card shoots out to, I have no idea where it's going. Um, and and that's, to me, when you talk about big club, and yes, they've made these big signings and made these big investments in players, 100%. I just don't know if the way that the roster is currently built or the the, the vision of how they're building the roster makes sense for the way that MLS is going right now. I really don't. And yes. And there's a lot of teams in this league that frankly are a lot smarter at signing players than we are. Um, in terms of how they deal with their salary caps, in terms of how they find talent, scout that talent, and then move that talent on for profit. And I know that's not necessarily the form that TFC wants to take. It doesn't want to necessarily be a selling club. I get that. But there are a couple of those clubs in this league that aren't necessarily selling clubs, and they're a hell of a lot better at being able to figure out how to work their cap and find players that have real impact in their team and stay on the field. Yeah. And I know that's not always on a player, right? That the circumstances sometimes.
0: Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's enough players on Toronto FC that aren't expensive players that are valuable to the team. I think yeah. that's such an important part of building any sustainable dynasty and any sustainable team that likes to spend big on their big players. You have to find value adds people who are you know worth more than their budget hit whereas that you look at this Toronto FC team and there's not really many that are worth more than I think that are more th- more than their budget hit I think that's the biggest issue with this TFC team yeah. and you mentioned yes you're training a lot of young players
1: it sucks because yeah you you had to do that um at that point yeah and you've buried some of them right like some of them like not buried in the sense that you know, if, if they, who knows what could have happened, right? If they play more minutes, maybe this team was good. Maybe it wouldn't have been, I don't know, but it feels like there is a bit of a wasted opportunity in terms of being able to use some of these players, either in your first team or move them on for profit. Right. Um, And, and that again, goes speaks to, what is this team? What is the philosophy of this team, right? Is it a selling club? Is it not? Is it well, a big club? Is it going to always sign the big players? Is it going to try to bring in youth players? Like it It doesn't, there doesn't seem to be a consistent.
0: They're, they're a win player. now club is what they are. They're trying to be at least. And clearly that's not the case. The, what the last thing on this, just crazy, crazy to think. And this is true for Bob Bradley. And it's going to be true for the next side that comes in. TFC. Yes, they're the most expensive team in Major League Soccer, but they're also a team that has to play money ball. Yeah, in a v- more more of a way than a lot
1: of teams in Major League Soccer. Well, their expenses yeah, their expenses are in U.S. and money and Canadian, right? Like, well,
0: not just that; it's it's the fact that they spent most of their budget on Lorenzo Insigne, and they're pinching every penny to get the and trying to squeeze the most out of the roster when they're at the budget, not only an MLS budget, but they're also at the budget for them internally, which is why you're not seeing any U22 initiative players being signed, which is why you're not seeing a third DP being signed because they spent all their money on Lorenzo Insigne. And when you're not getting enough out of Lorenzo Insigne, when you make that risk and you take that gamble and you put all your eggs into the basket of Lorenzo Insigne, and you're not getting enough out of him, whether it's Insigne's fault, whether it's the team's fault, then it's not going to work here. So like I said, you need to get more out of Insigne. Whether or not that's possible in Major League Soccer, I don't know. I I don't know if you can actually surround Lorenzo Insigne with the skilled players that we know that he has to be surrounded by. I don't know if you can fit that under a budget in a cap in major league soccer. We, we honestly don't know. And yeah, you know, it was kind of a curveball too. I got, I have to add that in because it was kind of a curveball. I wrote about this this week. It was a cur- You can probably check it out. I could probably say it more eloquently there on my piece. So mm-hmm. feel free to check that out. But, the plan was never to just sign the two DPs, right? They were going to sign three DPs, but when ownership comes in and, you know, cuts your budget a little bit because you have not lived up to the expectations and you haven't been able to sell some of those young players that we're talking about, Mike, for the amount that maybe they thought they were going to get from those players, yeah, then ownership decides to cut your budget. And now TFC has to, you know, kind of audible and change pathways into exactly how they're gonna go, go about building their team that's what we saw last off season that's why we don't have three dps right now and that's why TFC are in the situation that they
1: are and it goes back to my point right decision making at the top um and I'll leave it at that. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll bring in the burning question presented by nextdoor. Uh, Mike, we have that fancy little uh, hit into that. So the Toronto Till I die burning question presented by Nextdoor, the neighborhood network, and the official community app of Toronto FC. Nearly one in five GTA households use Nextdoor to connect with neighbors, local businesses, and groups nearby. Like Nextdoor's TFC fan group, where you can find the burning question posted each week. To join, download next the Nextdoor app or go to nextdoor.ca. Uh, we posted the burning question in the TFC fan group yesterday. Got some great responses um, in there very much reflective of sort of what a lot of people are thinking right now. Uh, but the question we did ask is how hot is Bob Bradley's seat now? We feel like we've given our piece on that. What are you guys thinking? So I'll read a couple of comments first from the TFC fan group in, in next door. Corey just writes and says, I would like, I'd first like to see a healthy team on the field. However, his seat is currently getting hot and I'm unsure we will get the chance to see that. And I think we talked a bit about that in terms of will we ever see this team really fully fit, right? Like I, I don't know if we'll ever get a, a situation where we really see every piece humming all at the same time. Um, and then Adam comes in and says hot, but if I were TFC management, I would keep him on until the end of the season and reevaluate from there. Right now the group needs stability and there hasn't been enough of that in the past couple of seasons. And look I think we talked about that as well right like there's this sort of balance of you know do you do you kind of blow it up um and and do that or do you try to keep some level of stability in in the way that the club runs um and there's a lot of different sort of takes on this and a lot of different thoughts on this so if I move over to the twitter uh, comments hey look it's twitter so keep that in mind but um at the same time you know um you know, the, you know, Jez says I despair that the fan base and their willingness to accept failure Bradley should be cleaning out his desk. Right. And a lot of people feel that way, right. A lot of people feel like there needs to be some kind of change. Uh, Noel just writes in saying, it depends on who you're asking fans. It's burning hot MLSC question marks. We're a total mess again. And back at the bottom of the conference in fact, um, I think MLSE will try to write out the season with him. You will only get action when the crowd starts dropping off in huge ways. This is when MLSC panics, and we have seen this with Chris Armas. You would know the Chris Armas situation better than I did, um, but you know it was 11 games uh, that Chris Armas survived, and then um, a 7-0 defeat or a 7-1. I think it was 7-1 because Io scored in that game, right? DC, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Brings that in. Um, but not necessarily... Um, everybody is totally um bradley out right turt mcgert says i don't think it's that hot he's coaching uh out the remainder of the season at least can't blame him when there are 10 plus players out uh when we have a relatively healthy lineup we could see the improvement from last year i think he'll turn it around um and uh, let's see and uh let's say not a, a some people think it's not hot enough. Um, some people think the sheet seat should be hot. Um, I think there is a you know, Chris M saying Bill Manning's sheet should be a form alarm blaze, kind of um <laughs> I'm feeling my sentiment. I think look, I I think the overall tenure of the supporter group, right? The supporter base right now, whether you're a supporter group member or not, is that there needs to be some kind of change in the way that this team plays, whether Bob Bradley is helming that change or not, that is a debate and up, up for question. But I think we all agree that we need to see this team try something different as you mentioned, Mike, because I don't think people are are quite happy with the product that they're seeing on the pitch at the moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can agree with that sentiment. Like I said, like, if if it's not Bob, if it's someone else, there has to be some sort of change when it comes to the philosophy on the pitch, at least. And like I said earlier in the show, there's been a lot of positive work from where this club was to where it is now um, to get to this point. Now I get it, results aren't great, but there is at least some sort of structure behind this club it did some structure that's back in place behind this club and it does take time to get it to that point and you know i commend bob bradley for getting it to that point now you have to find a way to change something and fix something quick because yeah, as people have wrote in and people have mentioned the seat's hot like everyone knows it it's you look at eastern conference two coaches that were sacked from their clubs this week, they're now ahead of Toronto FC in the, in the table. Toronto FC have by far a way more talented roster. The results should be better. The play on the field should be better. The only issue is, and again, I'll, I'll say it, like the injuries are, can it get better when you're missing 10 guys? Who in Major League Soccer is going to be winning games when you're missing 10 guys? It's going to yeah. need, like when you, you want to measure the team's heart, you want to measure the team's buy-in you want to measure the team's commitment to to bob bradley let's see what team turns up on wednesday against the new york red bull a team that plays with high energy the teams that likes to incite chaos like if you don't have heart and you're not up for the battle that day you're going to get exposed and it's a game at home if tfc do get some bodies back which hopefully they will we'll see exactly what they're looking like tomorrow but if they get some bodies back it's a game at home where you have to win And we'll just see what this team's spirit level is like, let alone the actual play on the field. Let's see what their spirit's like. Because if they are bought into Bob Bradley, they'll fight their butts off because they know exactly what's
1: on the line here for Bob Bradley. Yeah, and I think that what fans want to see is they want to see this team come out with a bit of fire and fight, right? I think TFC fans can, I don't know if it's accept is the right word, but i think they can understand if you're losing when you're down 10 players or, or or you know a significant amount of players in your starting 11 in your in your uh on your bench and you go out and you lose but you literally have draw you left left everything on the pitch right you have literally shown that you have left everything on the pitch i think people can they won't love it right they're not going to love a loss but they can kind of all right, they can give you a, they can give you, you know, some slack there. I think part of the issue is that a lot of people can kind of, kind of look at the body language and see, like, man, are, are, is there some, is there some fire here? Is, 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 are, are people really pissed off? I'm not talking about like fake tough guy fighting at the end of a, a match, right? Like that, that's not what we're, I'm talking about, right? It's not necessarily challenging supporters to go out in the parking lot and fight afterwards. That's not what I'm talking about. That's some fake guy stuff, right? Like uh, it, it's on the pitch. Are you, are you committed? Are you committed to the game plan? Are you committed to getting those three points? If you are the, the, the fans will back you. Even if sometimes the results aren't the best it's when fans feel like there isn't that fire and you're getting those kind of results. That's when they'll get on your back.
0: Yeah, but you know who you know who sets the tone for that? It's Ooh. Lorenzo Insigne and yeah. Federico Bernardeschi, right? Those guys. You want know, to talk about fire? Like we got to see more fire out of those guys. And I'm not talking getting frustrated at your own teammates. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like get stuck in, get get in those battles, work your butts off on, you yeah, know, don't both pull ends out of, 50, of the pitch. Yeah, well, I mean, like, I don't I don't even expect Lorenzo Insignia to go full on into a 50-50. That's not what he's paid to do. No. Maybe in a but... derby derby match, okay. But like make it a little bit more difficult. Like, don't just literally turn and run away. That's literally what happened. If you go back and watch that goal, he literally turns and runs away from George Campbell. It was yeah, that was shocking. Um But yeah, those guys, if they're not doing it, and Lorenzo Insignia is given the captain and Man for a reason because they want they want more buy-in from Lorenzo Insigne. They want him to be the guy that's going to be willing to go out there and set the tone, right? And if he's not doing it, it's it's tough. Like, you would love to see, oh, my God, you would love to see if every player on TFC had the the fight in them that Richie Larea has. Richie lorea has, I mean, he's the most fight in, like, CONCACAF, <laughs> it feels like at times. So maybe that's a tough ask, but that's the type of player that, you know, fans are, you know, they want to get behind because they can see him putting out there on leaving it all on the field. We haven't quite seen that as much from Insigne
1: and from Bernardeschi. Fair enough, and I think that's that is a way to leave off the show. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Toronto till I die. Um, hopefully we can be back next week with a better, more up tempo <laughs> feeling of a show. Um, look, there's two matches this week against uh, Red Bull at uh, BMO field on Wednesday. And then on Saturday, TFC had to Texas to take on Austin FC for the first time um, they're heading out uh, to Austin. Uh, so we'll see how they do uh, come next week. So it is a, a, a big busy match week. For your Reds. Um, If you could be so kind, please subscribe uh, on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Get those alerts uh, for when we're going live if you're on YouTube or if you're on podcasts when we drop the podcast versions, usually the day after. Um, For those listening on the podcast version, um, leave us a review, um, a like. Um, or a a five-star review on Spotify or a a full review on Apple Podcasts. It really does us a a big solid and helps people find uh, the show. We're building a really cool uh, little community here at Toronto Until I Die, and and, and that's uh, sort of growing show by show. Uh, So for Michael Singh, for Mike Newell, uh, we'll catch you all next week. Cheers, everybody. Peace.
0: And wait, and wait. And baby, I'm TFC till I die!